Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is one interview that I'm happy to do, especially after the stories we've been covering lately. This morning, I headed out to my old neighborhood to sit down with a representative from the Chicago Confederation of Clubs. The Chicago Confederation of Clubs is not a part of the National Coalition of Motorcyclists or NCOM. Instead, the COC is one I must say is one that is one of the most successful of all the confederations in the United States. The Chicago Confederation of Clubs, as you will hear during the interview, is made up of over 50 motorcycle clubs. The diversity of the clubs are as numerous as the nationalities that make up Chicago. I believe that this is unique among all of the confederation of clubs and makes Chicago stand out. One of the things many don't understand is that the Confederation of Clubs, or NCOM, is not what law enforcement says it is. It isn't a big crime ring that extorts street taxes from their member clubs. In contrary, it's an extended brotherhood of motorcycle clubs that work together for a common cause. My hope is a few things people will get out of this interview is the misconceptions of what a confederation of clubs is and what it's not. The true definition of brotherhood. Whether you're a member of a motorcycle or an independent, the enormous amount of motorcycle club profiling each and every club faces. After the interview, I will give you my final thoughts on everything that we discuss. So, Let's get down to business, shall we? What's up, everyone? Welcome to the live show. Today we got a great guest, a uh, representative from the Chicago Confederation of Clubs. We're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff today, something that you're really going to learn from. So we're, I'm going to introduce our guest. This is Heimlich uh, from the Chicago uh, Confederation of Clubs. How you doing, buddy? Not bad. Heinrich, representative of Chicago CLC in Northern Illinois. Rock and roll. And the reason why I'm so excited about talking to the Confederation is everybody knows uh, we support a lot of motorcycle club rights uh, through NCOM, through uh, NCOC, MPP. Uh, and I think it's a big thing to actually have some representatives from Chi-Town, my hometown. So first question I got. Sure is we did some coverage yesterday of, you know, Psycho Silo, and, you know, we don't have to go into the actual establishment. What I want to talk about is how it's become 
so ordinary for these bars to put up no color signs. Why is that? I think we're bikers and motorcycle club members as a whole become an easy target as far as uh, be able to just openly discriminate against. Uh, due to various uh, TV shows that I can't stand, uh, you know, Sons of Anarchy and use mm -hmm. and stuff like that, bikers and motorcycle club members as a whole are kind of portrayed as uh, villains or um, people that crime just generally is, show, uh, is associated with and that's just entirely untrue and not the case. Mm -hmm. I think uh, it makes it easy for bar owners and half the problem I really don't think is has anything to do with the owners themselves. I believe it has to do with uh, policing and uh, political pressure put on by the towns that they're in to keep motorcycle clubs out and they make it real um, easy to go to the bar owner and say well if you don't keep X, Y, and Z or these clubs out we will take your licenses or not renew your licenses and uh, bar owners are put in a tough spot to have to say no colors allowed. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, it, it, it's a hard pill, pill to swallow and it's a tough one to fight when uh, you're being discriminated against for simply coming into a bar like that but one that needs to be addressed. What does the COC specifically here in Chicago try to do to educate bar owners? Specifically, especially the clubs that are in the areas, uh, COC uh, from Chicago is COC of Chicago in Northern Illinois. So in each area of the city in Northern Illinois, there are different clubs in different areas. So we try to get the local clubs in that area to educate their owners and uh, so to speak and talk with them and, and hopefully address any concerns that they may have. When it's an openly discrimin uh, discriminated against, we do seek legal counsel if we have to to try and uh, resolve it. Most of the time we can resolve it with a simple set, uh, discussion with the bar owner or, if need be, the town itself, but sometimes it's successful and sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. Now, with these no color policies, is it just for, say, one percenters, uh, uh, support clubs, regular 99% clubs, or does it include hog, abate, Christian clubs? Well, see, you know, that's one of the things I have... Uh, the biggest problem with it, it doesn't matter, a club is a club. Um, ideally, you would hope that if they're in this lifestyle and they came up in this lifestyle, that uh, no matter who they are and who they're affiliated with and, and where they stand in the, in the motorcycle community, that they believe in a, uh, uh, the same core values that a motor, motorcycle club should operate under. Um, I don't believe that... Uh, um, it should be, it should be happening or, or clubs should be lumped in, you know, one percenter or yada, yada, yada. It affects all clubs equally. And the probably biggest problem I have with that is it's not treated equally. So if you take a, a club that is a, a full-fledged law enforcement club and they're allowed in, but you have another club that's from another area and isn't a law enforcement club and just a bunch of brothers that like to ride and have a good time, they're deemed as criminals and you aren't allowed in. So if you're going to actually enforce that, uh, you should enforce it period and we find out most of the time that's just simply not the case mm -hmm. and typically in a lot of the bars where this happens there is some of these uh, spring up clubs that aren't looked at as uh, because they're a law enforcement club they're not looked at in the same light that another club is and uh, they're allowed and they're not well that's where it becomes his discrimination right, right. but um, what recourse does the clubs have as far as uh, the, you know say you're going to a rally 
and I know some rallies around the country, they try to, right on the fence, no club colors. Right. But you see everybody else going there, like you said, you have uh, Leo clubs going in there, and but they want to keep you out of there. Right. You know, the other clubs out of there. What recourse do you have legally? It's a tough one to argue. Um, we've tried on multiple levels, and uh, um, it's... Uh, you, there's only like when you actually want to legally go after somebody and it, and it becomes a civil matter for a civil court there's actually uh only set guidelines that you can discriminate that you can call discrimination unfortunately one of the biggest problems is is that we're having trouble and elsewhere around the country is having trouble that seeing that bikers as a whole and let's be honest i mean th this is a lifestyle it is a culture upon itself um there's not a last let's say like you can Discrimination and laws against discrimination are based on like uh, race, sex, uh, sexual orientation, uh, religion. You can't bar people legally for those reasons. But because you're a motorcycle club member or a member of any organization, there's not a lot to protect you from that. So that's some of the obstacles that battling that legally we're having. Mm -hmm. Now, on the other side of the argument, you know, we have people come at us all the time about okay well it's the bar establishment's choice you know some clubs make it bad for other clubs what do you say to something like that as far as it being the bar owner's choice if if who who in their right mind and for instance here in the coc there's with over 50 clubs and i'm not going to give a head count but that's a, a a large amount of bodies to have an event and have a successful event where that bar owner that rally that even that town benefits from, from whether it's bars, events, housing, food, you name it, everybody benefits. Um, as far as bar owners saying that, it, you know, or people saying that it's bar owners doing it, well, I understand the other argument that they, they have, um, they're under pressure from the town to do it. And it's hard, it puts them in a very bad and peculiar spot to be able to argue with the town when the town's threatening openly or indirectly, well, we may not renew your license next year and put you out of business if you don't want to adhere to what that town wants. It puts them in a difficult spot, but at the same time, you know, this is supposed to be a free country. You would, I, would, I would hope that you know, the, the owner or, uh, um, or say, you know, men are still men. You know, sometimes you got to stay, be able to stand up and actually say, you know, that isn't right. It is a free country, and, and stand up not only for uh, the bikers that they want you to keep out, but also for your own business. Who is the town to tell you who you can let into your own business? Mm -hmm. That's a little uh, wrong in itself. Well, you know, you know what gets me is some of these bars they started off real small, yes, and it was club members, their associates that visited that bar. They got it to grow, grow. Mm -hmm. and next thing you know, they get at this pinnacle where they're like blown up and all kinds of business. I believe they're trying to live off of that image, but then all of a sudden, now you can't come here. Correct, correct, and that's uh, that's not right in in any sense. And to be able to do that, especially when the people that you're turning against and barring from your establishment are the same people that are responsible for your business being successful, I mean, what a thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, uh, 
not too long ago, we were out riding. We went to a bar. It was actually one of the, here in Chicago, you know, you got every diversity you can think of. And going down the street, we decided to stop at just a bar we've never been to, a small little bar. It was in a little Irish community, a little Irish bar. We went in there, and uh, I have never, they had like a, an authentic Irish band playing, right? Now, I have never seen an authentic Irish three-man band mm-hmm. playing. By the end of the night, there's probably six patrons in the, I mean, the, this bar is no bigger than this room. Right, and probably 10 to 15 of us, and just having a good time. We're buying drinks for everybody at the bar. We're having shots. By within an hour, we've got this Irish band singing with Irish accents to David Allen Cole. So <laughs> it, 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 make we, old David proud. We had a blast. We got, I think we got out of there about 2 a.m. Right? No problems. Not a, not not one incident. Uh, the 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 other patrons were great. The band was great. We had a blast. We got on our bikes and we rode and called it a night. Fast forward about three weeks. We pull up to the bar. We figured we had such a good time last time. We'll just stop in and have a couple beers and be on our way. And it, as soon as we got to the door, it was, I'm sorry, I can't allow colors in. I was like, are you kidding me? What did we, what did we spend last week and we were here and we had a great time with your patrons and your bar. What did we make you? A couple grand in a few hours? We had a great time. I don't understand the issue. Is your issue with bikers as a whole or just motorcycle club members or is it a personal thing against our particular club and he tried to assure me that it wasn't because of either and uh that he was getting pressure from the city of chicago that they were saying if he actually allowed them members in again and this was done by local law enforcement that uh like they should speak in chicago (laughs) you may not have your liquor license when you go to reapply for it right so it puts them in a tough spot but at the same time you know what we're not the uh the only ones that should be standing up if I, if you were that bar's business owner, and we came to your establishment, and in three hours you made a couple thousand dollars, I would think that you'd probably want oh, us back. Yeah, yeah. Probably about as often back. as we wanted to come. Especially if your patrons had a good time, everybody had a good time. Your, your band made it, it probably double what they were just in tips. Yeah, I would think that the business owner want, would want you there, and most business owners um, would absolutely agree to that. But when you're when you get pressure put on you from by local government. It puts them in a tough spot. I understand that, but you know what? It's uh, it's time some of these bar establishments start sticking up for themselves as well, because these these um, demands put on by local government and uh, and city officials and and uh, police departments is also hurting their business. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think for the ones that ain't being threatened by law enforcement are putting up these no color uh, signs? Do you think they're contributing to motorcycle club profiling? Absolutely. Indirectly, but absolutely. I don't think that they necessarily look at it that way, but they should because they absolutely are contributing. And not only uh, some of these bar owners, I mean, I've been riding around the scene. I'm sure you got bar owners that own the bar that you like to go to, and they're also your friend. And it's, uh, they need to realize that, you know, when, when somebody comes and tells you you need to bar these people from your establishment, that That'd be no different than me coming to you and saying, hey, you know what, your cousin that's sitting on the couch, get him the hell out of here. It's your house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's anybody to say who you can allow into your own home? Right. Same with a bed, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so they absolutely are and probably should start doing the right thing and standing up for themselves as well. If not, if not for the community and the motorcycle community, how about standing up for yourself? Right, exactly. Uh, before going on the motorcycle uh, club profiling, which you know we cover extensively on the show, 
uh, the Chicago Confederation of Clubs, you said we're made up of a lot of clubs. Yeah. How is the atmosphere? The brotherhood must be huge among the clubs because, you know, I've traveled the country and Chicago is one that is real tight knit compared is. to a lot of other ones. It is. <clears throat> and as far as the atmosphere, that term, brotherhood, um, in, this, in this lifestyle, in the motorcycle community, it stands for something. It means something. And in most cases, when you're talking about motorcycle clubs, what they would do for a brother or brotherhood is a lot easier if you just asked them what wouldn't they do. Brotherhood is something you believe in in this culture. It's something you stand for, something you're willing to fight for. And that term brother is just something that's so loosely thrown around. It's thrown around like a greeting, <laughs> like, hey, how's it going? Or, hey, man. It's thrown around way too loosely. But here in the COC in Chicago and Northern Illinois, every club you would hope would be basing their membership and their agenda on that simple term, brotherhood. And here in the COC, what COC stands for and what, what it is about is exactly that, biking and brotherhood. It's an external brotherhood to, another, to other clubs in your area that you're choosing to be a part of, an extension of your own family. Here in Chicago, it's exactly what it says, brotherhood, family. Now, does COC or uh, Chicago accept uh, Christian clubs, uh, riding clubs? Absolutely. Um, we do accept other, uh, uh, clubs of, of all kinds. However, we just do not allow anybody to join, to join without uh, member's approval. So it's the whole COC's approval? The entire COC. The entire COC body gets mm. an approval uh, for a club to join. So if a club were to join, they would, uh, um, how could you vote on somebody you didn't know? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So they would want to start and would be openly welcome to start hanging around some of these other COC clubs so they can get a better feel for them and these COC clubs can get a better feel for them as well. Right. Uh, one thing that really uh, burns my ass, if you will, uh, you know, the Internet's full of warriors out there, and you got a lot of the law enforcement. The one thing I could never understand was when you were a biker, you never associated with law enforcement. There was always that line. And you'll get a lot of these people buying what law enforcement say, uh, well, the COC or NCOM, you got to pay dues, you got to pay a street tax. That's fantasy. Am I correct? <laughs> That's not only a fantasy, it's an outright lie. This is based on brotherhood. You can't call yourself a brother by charging what you consider to be a brother. It's based on brotherhood. Absolutely not. As far as like you're talking about, I've heard the rumors as well, as far as they, somebody has to pay a tithe or a shakedown. That's not what we're about. That's not what the COC is about. That's not what these 50 clubs are about. How could you have 50 clubs, 50, over 50 clubs, standing together, and, and being treated like that. It would, the COC would not have lasted as long as it has. It would not have the honor that it does if that were happening. Mm -hmm. The only thing that could keep 50 clubs, think about it, how many personalities that is. Not only in indivi an individual club, but as a whole. And keep 50 guys all together, all moving together, all believing in the same thing, all standing righteously true to brotherhood under false pretenses or shitty pretenses like extorting somebody. Right. That does not happen, will not happen, we would not tolerate that happening. Right. 
Now, uh, COC, besides the Brotherhood, you guys do a shit ton for the community. What's some of the, you know, the charity stuff that you guys do, how you get involved in uh, the neighborhoods? You know, I always say on the show, I was like, you know what, if your block has a clubhouse, you're the safest around. Uh, you know, because clubs are always involved in the communities. There's been clubs out there during these protests out there protecting businesses and, you know, making uh, sure that the people were fed the whole nine yards. As far as? Well, as far as you, I know you guys do toys okay. for tots. Uh, Examples of what we're actually involved in. I know in another sure. business that uh, <clears throat> uh, bites for tots. Sure. Um, some of the charities that we do support one thing first and foremost is the COC of Chicago is affiliated with no other COC around other than our southern Illinois COC we we're not affiliated with NCOM or or uh, anything like <clears throat> what we do believe in is absolutely us the brotherhood between clubs and internally and externally uh, what we are in favor of supporting is exactly what you said our communities whether that's the individual clubs community or uh, the motorcycle community here in Chicago as well. Some of the uh, charity events we've been involved in is uh, um, Toys for Tots. Toys for Tots Chicago, we are not involved in with the city directly. The Toys for Tots that we are involved in is, is up north and directly with the United States Marine Corps. We do not give them the a second party that we have no idea where these toys are going. We take this to this party, we hand these toys and stack these toys to these Marines and then we help them load them in their vehicles to go directly to a base. We want to ensure that we actually, they actually go where they're intended. And I'll give you an example, one of the reasons why we don't, and this is probably not known by many, one of the reasons why we don't support a Toys for Tots, say in the city of Chicago's Toys for Tots, is because I was actually on the ride where we went one year and they were, we, everybody was requested of course to bring a toy and you probably had about two to three hundred bikes with toys strapped to these bikes and two U-Haul trucks filled with toys. And when we got there, you want to talk about discrimination, what they told us was, we can't take these toys from all these motorcycle clubs because it's questionable about where the money to pay for them came from. <laughs> Motherfucker. Tell that to the kid that didn't get anything. So instead what we did is we took all those toys, all those, uh, both those U-Hauls, and we drove them up north and hand-delivered them to the United States Marine Corps. Man. That's messed up. Uh, Bites for Tots, can you talk about that? Bites for Tots. Bites for that Tots. That one's real interesting to me. Bites for Tots is a, 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 a two-part event, and it was actually, last year, and was very successful, and was really awesome to see. It's actually, there are Southern COC in Southern Illinois. Um, every year for probably, you know, I couldn't give you the exact year, but probably the last 15 to 20 years, has supported the small community in Peoria, Illinois. And what they do is every, every kid or parent that has a kid and has no means to get them something for Christmas, and whether that's they're struggling financially, whatever the reason is, they will take three choices of gifts from that kid, his top three choices. No matter what, those brothers down there get him his first choice every single time, no matter what the cost is. Now we throw concert events with David Allen Cole and various other singers. We throw parties. We have an auction. Um, and when I say we, uh, I mean the Southern COC. Um, and they have an auction to, to be able, you can imagine, you know, you have kids, to buy presents for the kids. It gets damn expensive come Christmas. Yeah. You're broke. 
whatever you want is off the fucking table. You're broke. So to be able to buy gifts for 500 kids and get, get them their first choice of gift, that, it takes a lot of money to fund that. So we throw various events to be able to support that and fund that. Then those brothers down there, they, take, they go out personally and go and buy. They spend half a year doing this, buy each individual gift. And then come close to Christmas, they as a whole get together and spend up to two weeks wrapping each individual gift and personalizing it to that kid. Christmas, when the Christmas event actually comes around, there, there's a, a, a Santa and an, an elves, and they hand deliver these gifts. And these Santa, the Santa and the elves, these are all brothers. Now, these are some of the most heavily tattooed elves I've ever seen, <laughs> but these are brothers. So I don't care how big and bad and tough you are. If you actually go and witness this and it doesn't bring a tear to your eye, I give you credit. You're a cold-hearted son of a bitch. Now, bites for tots. You've got a lot of dogs involved. The canines. <laughs> bites for tots was actually um, um, an event held to support those kids getting that Christmas, hence Bites for Tots. It was run in conjunction with um, PSA, which uh, stands for Protection Sports Association, and it was run with a PSA-sanctioned club, uh, the Midwest Misfits, out of Bourbon A, and it was a trial for a PSA trial for titling dogs, specifically working dogs, whether it be, you know, typically Dutch Shepherds, Malinois, working line German Shepherds, and it's a bite sport. And we ran that event and we sold, uh, you know, took donations for, for, for tickets, we had raffles, um, various things like that, and all those proceeds went to the kids down for, I think we raised over 3000 3, for those kids in a way it was awesome and one of the greatest parts of that event was not only were we well received by um other spectators but we were well received by the competitors and a lot of these competitors are law enforcement these some of them are police canines and some military canines and most are civilian dogs and um one of the greatest things in the world was actually being able to not only hold the event but if you've never seen that it's something really to see and to watch these kids in awe of what these dogs were doing was just awesome. I mean, after afterwards, I had one brother go home and actually actually say, when I got home, my kid was in a, they wear bite suits to protect themselves from the dogs and be able to, and this kid was in the front yard with a stick in his hand and he was in his snowsuit, running through the yard screaming and the brother pulled up in his truck, gets out of his truck and says, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm a decoy. <laughs> <laughs> coolest, coolest thing in the world. We had food and, uh, we had a band there, we had food there, and uh, it was a three-day event. It was actually really something to see, but all of these brothers, the COC entirely from north and south, southern Illinois, came together to make that event successful. And to date, from what I understand, that is the largest PSA and working dog crowd that has ever assembled in one location for an event. Are you going to have it again this year? Hence the mask and the, this yeah. corona thing and everything going around. I would love to, and I'm hoping to. The only problem I might have is it takes a lot of time to be able to prep for that, and we're getting near fall. Right. So I'm, I'm definitely going to hope to, and if I do, I'll, I'll definitely let you know in hopes that cool. you guys will support oh, it. I'll be over there. Uh, Other things that we get involved in is uh, various um, benefits for not only uh, you know members' families or um, the latest things we've been talking about is... Uh, Military veterans are very near and dear to us in the COC. 
one of the things we'd like to do is actually go down to work. We're trying to work it out to where we can actually go down to a VA hospital, bring about as much cooking equipment as we can, cook two or three pigs, chickens, and burgers and everything else, and feed everybody there for one afternoon. If they can't, if they can't come down to us, we'll take it up to them. Right. So that's awesome stuff. Uh, twisting it uh, back to motorcycle club profiling. How concerned is the COC here in Chicago what's going on nationwide? It seems like uh, the uptick in profiling clubs have went through the roof. Mm -hmm. uh, you had one club on uh, the West Coast who just got, the entire club got recoed and they're trying to take their patch. Insane, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's in the Ninth Circuit of Appeals right now. It's probably going to go all the way to the Supreme Court. But how crazy is a whole club getting recoed for the actions of a few 20 or 15 years ago? That's insane. It's absolutely insane. And one of the one one of the, uh, one of the rights you have in this country as an American and in this great country is to be able to assemble and assemble where you choose to. And um, uh, that's insane. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Well, there was sound in Texas, because uh, Texas is like the big hot spot right now, where a club member got pulled over. He had a legal uh, CCW, or mm -hmm. that's what Illinois calls them, but a regular carry card. And because he was wearing colors, they have this gang database down there. They charged him with a felony. That instantly makes him illegal. That's crazy. Right. That's absolutely crazy. And again, your right to assemble, your right to be a part of whatever you choose to be a part of, shouldn't make you a criminal. Right. Now, how do clubs go uh, about fighting motorcycle club profiling? As best we can. Um, specifically with us, we use, uh, we go legally, of course, and use uh, um, counsel and retain counsel any, any chance we get. Again, some of the biggest problem that we're coming to see is, you know what, if, if you were of a different sexual orientation or you were of a different religious group or if you were a different skin color or anything, you have no problem against being discriminated like this. But however, because you're a member of a motorcycle club, it seems like there's nothing in line to almost protect you from it. So it's not only here, but everywhere else around the country is having the same, same issues. So there's been very far and few wins, but there have been some mm. for the motorcycle community as far as battling discrimination because there's, a, there's not a lot to base it off of which needs to change. Where do you think law enforcement, uh, why do you think they profile as hard as they do? Uh, a couple days ago we did a video where they caught it. Uh, they were just circling in Pennsylvania three times and the, the cop looked like he was 12 years old, but he said to the guy, well, you know, you're wearing those colors, you're a gang. It's like, what do they teach you in the police academy that you automatically assume this is a gang when it's a club? That's that's a hard question for me to answer because that would be a better one put to the other side to actually law enforcement themselves why they choose to go that route I have no I have no idea clubs have always been clubs first not gangs being in a clubs about it, it is a um, about biking and brotherhood first and foremost not street corners and dope and mm -hmm. stupid nonsense um, I have no idea what they what they base this on it and it's kind of a it's some of the is it, you know different government agencies are, uh, it's kind of a double standard. You know, if, uh, how often you hear about a bad one or a rogue cop or, or We actually one that do the wall of shame every day now because of that. 
And you got quite a view, quite a bit on there, right? Actually, uh, you know, for everything they claim that a motorcycle club member does, I can find five or six cops who did the exactly. same thing. Exactly. But from their perspective, they come right out and, you know what? You, two bad cops can't justify making everybody bad. And I agree with them. I agree with them. That can't, you know, two bad, two bad apples can't, you can't target a whole uh, organization over two bad apples. You shouldn't be able to. That's not right. Yet they'd have no problem doing it to us. Right, right. One incident, as far as like what you're talking about, it's bars and profiling and no colors allowed signs being put up in front of establishments. Well, that's the same thing. If it, if it even involved a motorcycle club member, you're talking about one incident. One incident means banning all? All 50 here in Chicago? Right. With all that money coming in. That's that. crazy. That is <laughs> that absolutely is crazy. nuts. Uh, and let's be, let's be honest. We are bikers. And it, it, where the whole world's changing, this has always been a world of men. A man's world. Oh, yeah. And, and one of honor and one of loyalty, one of integrity, one of courage, commitment, and above all else, brotherhood. I'm sorry. I'm a biker. If you insult me, expect to be insulted back. If you become confrontational, expect a confrontation back. How is that? I don't understand. In biker bars, instead of problem with biker bars don't have fights, what biker bar have you been to that didn't ever have a fight? <laughs> right. So why, why would one, and I'm not saying you know, that's right, wrong, or indifferent, but why would one incident dictate everybody to the whole? Or... Should everybody period. go to the club and say, hey, we had this. You know, clubs <laughs> usually handle their own thing. Listen, I, listen, I'm no angel. I remember way back when I was a kid, I got in a bar fight, and it was nothing more than a bar fight. You know, two guys, two in the morning, at clean closing time, and, and uh, in, in, in a quick scuffle. And I remember when it was over, the bar owner, I mean, I'd been going there for, for a couple years, and a table that got broke. I remember just taking $500 out, but not bar. I apologize about the table. That was good enough for them. Mm. But no, I'm not advocating brawls and fights, and I'm not advocating things like that happen. I'm just saying, if there even was an incident, how can you ban all? How can you, or how can you even target all? I mean, if the clubs weren't there, what bars don't have a fight from time to time? Right. You can go to any bar in Chicago or any nightclub in Chicago oh, and sit yeah. there on the curb and you're going to watch one guy after another get thrown out of this bar into the street for no other reason than he got drunk and got out of line and, mm. and, and there was an incident. That's, uh, but you don't, you don't put a sign in front of the place saying no people allowed. Right. What about these mass rallies? I know uh, when I was down in Daytona, they had the no color. It was all over the place. And what really uh, gets me is most of these big rallies were started by clubs. Right now, Sturgis is going after the Jack Pine Gypsies property. Uh, you know, they make their entire city budget living on that one yeah. rally. The entire economy is built right. upon that rally. Same way, it's no different than Daytona is for the races and everything else. That their whole economy is built upon those events happening and the people that come to them. And like you said, started by motorcycle clubs, which... Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, since motorcycle clubs started, it was clubs that started this lifestyle in the first place. And these weren't just run-of-the-mill people. Most of these people were combat veterans and, true, and soldiers, Marines, airmen, seamen. After being discharged, missing what they had, 
forming clubs to, to regain the brotherhood they felt in combat. And the biker, I don't even know what you want to do. The biker image the is simply created from. by motorcycle clubs. <laughs> right down to that black leather jacket you wear was something that motorcycle clubs started. The biker image has been based on motorcycle clubs. Mm -hmm. And they profit off of this. So then, I mean, what a thank you to turn around and say, you're not welcome. Right. Harley Davidson does that Harley too. Harley Davidson is a prime example. <laughs> he is a prime, Harley Davidson is a prime example of completely... Uh, what do you think about their problems going on right now? Their sales are in the toilet. It, well, you know what, when... The last whether CEO people accept it or not... said that it didn't matter it was made in the USA. Like I said, when COCK or COC, when clubs first came out, that's where their business started. And with these events, that's where this business started. And that's what makes your events successful. So how can you have a biker event without bikers? How can you, Harley-Davidson, how can you keep taking advantage of bikers for no reason and have them not just, not the hell with you? Hmm. And they're now now Harley-Davidson is no longer the, the only name in the game. That you got India and some other ones out there. Uh, but you mentioned something that was good where you say you can't hold all cops responsible for certain individuals. We argue all the time, you know, to uh, the chagrin of a lot of uh, haters out there, that the stuff you're seeing in the news that we cover all the time, that stuff ain't club sanctioned. That's just people out there doing their own damn thing. It, the media wants to put uh, clubs out there like you're some kind of gangsters, and it's like, have you seen some club members? They can't even pay dues, man. How are they gangsters? Most of these guys are blue-collar guys, and like you mm -hmm. said, especially in today's economy, a lot of them let hard, hard up and laid off, or uh, the work's not available, and having a hard time just feeding their families. So where they get, uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I laugh when I hear this stuff, especially when I see these stupid gangland episodes mm -hmm. where they're saying, you know, bucket loads of money coming in for this and that, and it's like, man, I work every day. Right. I get up and go to a job every day to, to pay for my mortgage and my car that I have, and uh, it's insane. How hard have you guys had to fight that image that Sun, uh, Kurt Sutter put out from Sons of Anarchy and this stupid Mayans thing? It's, it, it, well, <laughs> I gotta hate that show. Um, the sad part is, is how many people actually buy into that crap? Where, if, if you've ever actually watched the show, where that's what people actually believe happens in the motorcycle community. But where could you do that? Yeah, Jeff Tyler was a serial killer. <laughs> you, yeah, you can't just ride around shooting people all over time. Right. You, you can't just you, you can't just go create havoc everywhere you go. Motorcycle clubs aren't built on that. They're not. Motorcycle clubs are first and foremost built in biking brotherhood. Mm -hmm. That's what they're about. Well, you know, I think that show sprang up, we call them pop-up clubs, they sprang out a lot of them, and they caused trouble for the actual legit motorcycle clubs. Uh, you know, we have the debates all the time on the show about protocol, we fight with people because of protocol, uh, but I think it's there because the larger clubs don't want all that attention that these idiots, you know, bring. You know, you have a pop-up club member, We've been uh, talking about one out in uh, Pennsylvania where it really gave the club scene out there a black eye after what happened. Uh, that was Keith Palumbo's story.
but I think you know am I right that's what protocol does is keep these people where you know not you're not causing problems for say 50 clubs in COC it does and it, it this is a lifestyle and it's one that's been around for a very long time and that's why I say it it is a culture we do have one and there are like any other like any other cultures there are things you do and things you don't do and when somebody just watches a TV show and decides I'm going to put on, I'm going to put on a patch and be a, a, a weekend warrior and I'm going to do what I want because that's what he thinks is cool and wants to be, well, there's a lot to learn in this community and you just don't get to do whatever you want to do. It's not about you. It's about the club. It's about your brothers. It's about brotherhood. All for one and one for all. What you do reflects upon your club. And in this case that you're talking about, and other cases like it, uh, what you do reflects upon all clubs. Because regular citizens, they don't know, hey, this pat, this they seen this guy doing something. They don't know if it's the diamond, it's fat. They don't know any of that stuff. And it brings the heat. It does. And it turns it up. And it's also uh, leads to numerous misconceptions about motorcycle clubs. Mm -hmm. It's very damaging. So it, it's, uh, there are... Like I said, here in the COC, over 50 clubs in the Chicago land and northern Illinois area. You mean to tell me you can't find one of them you fit in? Or maybe you just want to be handed something rather than earn it through a probationary period and learning what it takes to be a member of that club. And it's uh, well, I never everybody wants something. Every, everybody like, wants you something go for nothing. Do it the right way and go party with everybody instead yeah. of sitting because most of them sit in their backyards. Or actually have something on your back that actually means something that guys actually work for. That the club the club has a, um, a honorable legacy and be a part of that. The guys that just want to throw something on your something on your back just to fucking do it. I mean, in the motorcycle community, whether you're a motorcycle club member or a, 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 a civilian biker. They find them laughable, mm. and it's it's for no other reason. They know absolutely nothing. They've earned absolutely nothing, and it, this is not something just cool to do on the weekend. Being a motorcycle club member is 24 hours a day and seven days a week. You are your brother's keeper. Okay, uh, Chicago is like one of the next to New York, but you know we won't bust on New York. Uh, is one <laughs> of the most multicultural places in the world. By far, by far. Does COC have that whole spectrum of uh, different cultures in there? Absolutely. I mean, it, as far as I, um, well, you you name it. In the COC, we have clubs that we have various degree of uh, Hispanic clubs. We have Puerto Rican clubs. We have Mexican clubs. Um, we have white clubs, Polish clubs, black clubs. You name it, we have it. And one of the great, one of the things that I find really awe-inspiring about the COC and when you talk about the membership, uh, the membership's diversity, is where else could you have guys that grew up not only in different backgrounds as far as race, but different backgrounds in the street when they were kids, or different backgrounds in just life period. And then you stagger that by different generations, and all coming together for the same belief, same cause, all believing in brotherhood and all those issues they grew up and dealt with or what they believed before they joined that club, all despair. Brotherhood's uh, a powerful thing. It is, if it's done right, like if it's you said, done right. it's thrown around all the time. We see it all the time. But clubs that just pop up and throw something on their back, well, you didn't earn, you, you didn't do anything to earn that. So why in the world would you respect it? Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. How could you know brotherhood without ever seeing it? 
Right. So which is why I take offense to people so loosely throwing that term, hey, brother, around. Mm. Hey, brotherhood, bro, brother is, uh, people call another man your brother. Mm. And especially when you're talking about a man from one club to another man in another club and calling brother, that's a pretty significant and powerful thing. Right. Well, last two questions. Uh, what would you say to the younger kids coming up? You know, the 18, 19, 20-year-olds that want to live this lifestyle. How would you get them to, you know, bring them up right? Because it seems one of the biggest issues that the biker community has is the younger generations. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it happened with us with the old timers, but mm -hmm. we had the Vietnam vets teach us, <laughs> you know. Well, one of the things I always liked about our veterans and our troops serving, we're huge supporters of our veterans and our troops. The one thing I love about them the most, they understand discipline. They understand honor. They understand chain of command. They understand respect. They understand authority. They understand brotherhood. They fought in foxholes. Exactly. So like what you're saying, you were coming from Vietnam. These are guys that already had these principles that we're able to show you. Mm -hmm. So the same applies to today. We've got several veterans standing in this room from our military. And those guys are still responsible in instilling the values into new, new members as well. Mm -hmm. So why do you think uh, with the profiling, if they know, you know, especially if there's one veteran and, and then they got the veteran, why do you think, you know, they, are they scared of clubs? Are they scared of the organization? You're talking about as far as local governments and things like that? Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I, I think we make an easy target and an easy way to make a name for yourself and, and look at these criminals we got here and what we're going to we're an election point. Look at what we're going to do to stop them to make the average civilian feel safe. Look at what we're going to keep out because these guys are nothing but this, this, this and this. And it's entirely untrue, but they use it as a punchline for their election. Okay. Well, last question. Uh, do you guys have events that are open uh, to the public, like open houses, parties? We do, we do have parties and things like that, but just like, um, what's the easiest way I can put this? If you had a party at your house inviting friends and family over to, to celebrate your new grandbaby, mm -hmm. You wouldn't let a stranger walk Deuce, through man. your you, you wouldn't let <laughs> twins twins. <laughs> but you wouldn't allow a stranger to walk through your living room. Mm. So you might not have a problem with the guy and he'd be more than welcome after you got to know him. All right. Right on. Now do uh you know well it was supposed to this is the last question here. For those who actually want to get to know a club, how do they do it? The old fashioned way. Go and talk to them. How would uh, do they go see you in a bar? Do they go introduce themselves? How do they? Absolutely. So like I said, it, this lifestyle and culture has been built by men, men of integrity, honor. Who wouldn't, if somebody walked up and said, hey, how you doing? I'm so-and-so, shake their hand and say, well, I'm so-and-so. What do you want? Rock on. It's just as easy as that to start a conversation. Awesome. Well, I appreciate having you on the show. This has been awesome. Uh, hopefully, it's been informative for all of you guys out there. If you got questions, uh, you guys can always send them in to me. I'll get them to the, the right people if uh, you're not jackasses about it. Don't forget to uh, go over to Bagger Syndicate Cycle. That's where I get all my hats from. They're off on the East Coast, Buffalo. 
And uh, with that, I'll see you in the next segment. That was a hell of an interview, and I'd like to thank the Chicago Confederation of Clubs as well as the club that opened up their clubhouse for the interview. One thing that you should take out of this whole thing is don't go to the internet for your advice on clubs. Go directly to them. The representative from the Confederation of Clubs, he did a perfect job in explaining, you know, protocol, the motorcycle club profiling, the club colors uh, thing in bars. That's the type of advice you need. The only way you're going to learn is to go to clubs themselves. Yes, it's all right going on the internet, uh, hearing about this protocol, that protocol. But like I always say, it's always local, man. Uh, what happens on the East Coast don't happen in the Midwest or on the West Coast. You know, you get a little idea of, uh, you know, what's behind everything. But until you get off that computer, go to a club event or just go up to a club member and shake his hand. You're not going to really understand how everything works. Another thing that I really got out of the interview is how just how much Leo isn't trained when it comes to motorcycle clubs. Actually, they're trained wrong if you really think about it from the get-go. We've seen the one profiling video in one of the episodes uh, before this where the cops were circling and circling and circling. And then finally, one of the club members just went right up to him and said, hey, this is what's up. And the cop, you know, again, looked like 12 freaking years old, uh, looks at him, well, you're a gang, aren't you? It's You know what? Cops have so much more to worry about than motorcycle club members. Motorcycle club members are mostly blue-collar, they go to work just like you and I every morning to provide for their families. For law enforcement to go and label a lot of the big clubs criminal gangs because of what a few individuals do is out of line. The Wall of Shame here on Insane Throttle's Biker News Show. For everything they claim that a one percenter does... I can show you four cops doing the same thing. You know, one of the big differences is the cops, man, you guys are freaks. You always into that uh, sexual crimes and all that bull. You know, you're just freaks. You know, but the other stuff you really do see is the abuse. The abuse of an oath that they took to protect and serve the community. It doesn't mean, that oath doesn't say, hey, I'm a god and... You know, you got to listen to me. You know, your civil rights, you know, those are pushed to the corner. It doesn't say that. Motorcycle clubs deal with that on a daily basis. If you're wearing a patch, you're always on Leo's radar. That's why, you know, I get angry with these bars. Yeah, some of them get pressure from, you know, the local townships and stuff. But what does that say to your loyalty to your patrons? Don't you think you should get on the line with a lawyer and say, hey, these the city is getting involved in my business. It's costing me money. These people haven't done anything wrong. No, most won't do it. Instead, they'll go up and throw that uh, no colors uh, 
allowed policy up on their doors. And many people come back and say, well, it's their business. You know, they just don't want no problems. Come on. There's a million ways to fix that. A million ways. Work with the clubs. I guarantee if you're a bar owner working with the clubs, you guys can figure something out. Just don't go and throw a color sign up on your door because you're contributing to motorcycle club profiling. And what is also funny is, like I talked about in the interview, it is usually the club members and their supporters that take a little dyed bar and put it on the map. So what kind of loyalty is it really to, you know, go against the ones that put you on that uh, map? It just doesn't make no sense to me. But again, you know, we live in a corporate society where money is everything and loyalty to customers is just an afterthought. You know, we talked about Psycho Silo. You know, we've mentioned them uh, in a biker news segment coming up. Uh, you know, we're going to be talking about somebody who works with uh, promoting stuff that left a comment on her page. And, you know, it, it just struck me because if you look at some of these profiles, You'll always see one thing. They're usually a Leo supporter. But they'll go out there and make their money off the backs of motorcycle clubs. Enough's enough. You know, if you want to ride with a club, fine. Even if you're an independent, fine. But at least stand behind each other. I'm glad if you went through this interview from beginning to end. That way you got to hear from them directly how it is out there when it comes to profiling. You got to hear the community service they did. And better yet, better yet, you heard that fantasy that Leo put out there, all their supporters, all these freaking people that, you know, have a bad taste in their mouths for uh, motorcycle clubs about confederations no they do not tax people that's one of the biggest things that was spread that's a lie they don't do that to each other and finally you got to learn what brotherhood's supposed to be about you have over 50 clubs in the chicagoland area all getting together all partying having fun Coming together for common causes. That's one thing that you pop-up clubs should really think about. Do it the right way. You know, in Chicago, there's so many damn clubs out there, you don't even need to start your own club. And like the representative from the Confederation said, you just wanted something handed to you. No, go out there, earn it. You're going to feel better about yourself. You're going to be a part of something bigger than yourself. You're going to get there and meet all kinds of freaking people. It just takes doing it the right way. Because, again, why start your own club? Well, most are going to do it because they don't want to go through prospect or the probate period, whatever way the club does it. My argument is that is actually a great period in your journey towards a patch you get to learn from the older guys the older guys that have been in the lifestyle forever forever especially the vietnam air vet guys 
Yeah, they're a little uh, up there in age, but they still got a lot of teaching to do. So why go out there and jeopardize that by starting your own club? Because, you know, the people within the club community, if they see that, well, you're not going to get the respect. You can go out there on the Internet, especially I see it all the damn time, claiming, well, you know, nobody's going to take this. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. In actuality, man, you're weak. And the reason why you're weak is you're not going through a traditional process. Do you know why a lot of motorcycle clubs get angry with pop-up clubs? It's because they went through all the traditional processes. They worked for what they're wearing. You didn't. All you did was go to an embroidery shop uh, uh, with a design, and the next thing you know, you got colors. How is that working for it? How is that putting in the work for the reputation of your club? It's not that hard to get introduced to the scene. You just go up to a club member and, and say, hey, introduce yourself and stuff. It's that easy. The process takes, you know, time. And time is what it is because people want to get to know you. You know, you it's just like trying to invite somebody, you know, like he said during a house party that you don't know. It's as simple as going up there and asking. And again, I get it. There's a lot of people talking about protocol or this and that. Well, I always said... Get it from the bigger one percenter clubs because a lot of them been around since the 30s, 40s, 50s. You know, you got people out there talking with clubs only been around five or six years. They don't know nothing. They don't know how this real scene works. They only been around five freaking years or ten years. That ain't nothing in the time of a motorcycle club. Actually, most clubs don't last five years that just pop up. They don't even last them one year. So why would you start taking advice from people that aren't involved in clubs that have been around decades? Decades and decades because you know what? They went through the trial and error to perfect it. And most of them will tell you that it's not yet perfected yet. So... For your younger guys, yeah, it's pretty cool watching stuff on the internet. That's why we do biker news, man. That's why I don't really like getting into any of that stuff because it's different all over the damn place. And basically, it's opinions. And we all know what opinions are. Everybody has an asshole, man. That's about it. That's all they are is opinion. Don't take it as gospel. If you think you're learning something, you're really not. Because you might be hearing something on the internet, but on the street, it's totally different. So hopefully you got a lot out of this segment. Uh, again, thanks to the Confederation uh, for everything, for the advice, for all the knowledge that you have put out there for everybody, for the listeners. And uh, with that, guys, really appreciate everything. Don't forget to share this video on your social media that you can listen to uh, it's replay over on Spotify, 
iTunes and all that good stuff. With that, I'll talk to you later, guys. Have a good one. I say goodbye, vamoose, adios, ciao, so long, get your hat jacked. Number one internet biker radio show is now available on Spotify and all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to become a subscriber on any one of these platforms so you can be notified right away when our weekly episode is uploaded so you never miss an episode. Hi, this is James Hollywood Machikari. Join our YouTube channel and get Motorcycle Madhouse and tons of videos related to the bikers. Join now by subscribing for free and become part of the throttle today. Always free and always entertaining. Don't forget to visit us at www.harleyliberty.com for your daily biker news. Rock on!